feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, soft on crime in full display in New York. And I say bravo to Jim Jordan and the Republicans on that committee for allowing a number of family members and others to speak out about what they say is a soft on crime approach by New York DA Alvin Bragg. And there were some really, to me, unsettling moments in this hearing when you heard some Democrats saying, you know, does it bother you basically that you're being used as a pawn uh, to feed Republicans' desire to go after the DA who went after Donald Trump? Of course, Alvin Bragg is the guy responsible behind the 34 felony counts against former President Trump. And... It was a really emotional back and forth when you heard these witnesses, many of them saying, I'm here because Alvin Bragg basically let the killer of my child out and I want to know why. Or in the case of Jose Alba, he had an attorney basically representing him and speaking for him, basically saying, why was I charged with second degree murder when I was just defending myself? I thought there were some really powerful moments And I hope that a lot of people see this testimony and say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like American justice. Yeah, of course, there's politics on all sides. The Republicans clearly wanted to take it to brag and bring it to New York. Of course, this is his domain. But they also had a point by showcasing a lot of these individuals who have felt voiceless up until this point by soft on crime DAs like Alvin Bragg and others around the country. And so for that reason, boy, do I think everybody across this country needs to hear from these witnesses, especially a mother who lost her son. She was grieving and said Alvin Bragg basically let some of the killers out almost immediately. Why was that the case? A number of others said, why was I charged when I was defending myself like Jose Alba? Others were saying, here's what I'm seeing over and over again, that New York is basically back to the bad old days. Remember in the 70s and 80s, where we saw, especially in the 70s, where things were so bad in New York City? So I think it was an important message. And I think the fact that Republicans are at least addressing the issue of crime that is taking place in New York City, When we have the D.A. solely focused on campaigning, remember, and saying my mission, number one, is to go after President Trump, not to get the bad guys off the streets. I actually think a hearing like this is important to hear. And I think America needs to see what the heck is going on with our justice system. Why do we have a district attorney who is saying the priority for him is anything other than getting the bad guys off the street? It certainly begs the question, and it'll be really interesting to see if at some point Alvin Bragg himself testifies before this committee or if other former DAs who are in his office testify before this committee, because that is where now sort of the next level of this goes. They are, of course, trying to find out how Alvin Bragg came to the determination that Donald Trump should be charged with 34 felony 
criminal accounts. And why is his focus money, energy, efforts, all of that on Donald Trump when clearly we saw in this hearing that there's a lot of crime in New York that needs to be addressed and a lot of criminals that should be behind bars that seem to be walking the streets over and over again. So the fact that we are listening to these people testify, sharing their emotional story, I say, bravo, it's important that we hear them. It's important that the world hears them. And it's important that they feel that they're getting acknowledged. A lot of them said they were getting the runaround from Bragg's office, that almost as soon as Bragg took over, the case fell apart. Or as soon as he got involved, suddenly charges were against them, like in the case of Jose Alba. So when you look at all of these things, it's important to hear from these people. They deserve to tell their story. And America needs to hear what the heck is going on. And are our DAs, especially those that are getting money through Soros-backed groups, are they passing the buck, basically passing the criminals back out to society? We are seeing this over and over again, this revolving door. And that revolving door has to stop. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. First off, here is Madeline Brame. She was testifying. She is the mother of a New York City murder victim. And she was furious because as she was trying to describe what she was going through, and she basically said that several of those who were involved in the killing of her son, Army Sergeant Hassan Correa, She says he was beaten and stabbed to death nine times by multiple people in 2018. They had a number of them on videotape. So there really wasn't any gray. So why did some of them get lesser charges? Two of them ended up getting life sentences, but other two who were, it looks like on the videotape, pretty strongly involved just as much. Why did they get basically a slap on the wrist? Listen to what she had to say when she testified today. As soon as he took office, the case immediately began to unravel. He dismissed, completely dismissed, gang assault and murder indictments against two of the defendants clearly on video participating in the brutal savage slaughter of my son. Mary Saunders, the sister involved in the homicide. He dismissed her indictment and recharged her with assault with a shoe and sentenced her to one year time served. Travis Stewart dismissed his gang assault and murder indictment and sentenced him to attempted gang assault. And he pled guilty and sentenced him to seven years. Travis will be out in the next 18 months. Mary Saunders This savage is currently walking the streets of Harlem like she didn't just participate in the the brutal slaughter of another human being. Home with her family. Home with her children. If that's not a threat threat to public safety, I don't know what is. Wow. You know, I mean, how could you not be riveted to hear what she had to say? And respect what she had to say. The fact that one of them is out already. The fact that another one is going to be out who participated in the stabbing, brutal murder of her son, an Army veteran. And that person's going to be out in 18 months. I mean, does that seem like justice to you? Heck no. I'd be out there shouting, holy heck, if it was a family member, wouldn't you? I mean, that is outrageous. 
And then there were these moments. This, to me, was some of the most insulting moments, I think, of the committee hearing today. Um, Because then the Democrats kept trying to kind of get their jab in. It was like, um, well, don't you feel like you're being used, that this is a political trick? This is this. This is that. This is this. And then Dan Goldman, a Democrat of New York, basically said, you know what? Um, This is basically, listen to this, a charade. And boy, Madeline Brain went back at him. Take a listen to this exchange. This was fireworks. Your your experiences are devastating. But the problem is, is that this is a charade to cover up for an abuse of power that they are going around talking incessantly outside of this hearing about Donald Trump. And the purpose of this hearing is to cover up for what they know to be an inappropriate investigation. Now, I look forward, many of you are Can I in New York City. You, no, not right now, because I only have 20 seconds. I'm sorry. But I, I do Don't want to Don't insult talk. my intelligence. That, uh, you're uh, not hang on, hang on. The gentleman's time. I'm not insulting you. You're trying to insult me time. like I'm not aware of Ms. what's going Ms. on Frank. here. Thank you. Okay? I'm fully aware of what's going on here. Gentlemen, I will suspend. Gentleman gets another 15 seconds. Thank you. That's why I walked away from the plantation of the Democratic Party. Committee will be in order. Ms. Brame, what I was about to say is that as a representative of this city, I look forward to working with you. Yeah, uh, boy, Madeline Brame. She is a fireball. And listen to her saying, basically, what are you talking about? I am talking about my child. And you're sitting there saying that this is a charade, that we're being used. What an insult to a mother who is sitting there grieving and talking about a bona fide case of the fact that one of the killers is out and the other one's going to be out in 18 months. Are you kidding me? And the best you can do is say, oh, don't you feel a little used by politics? I mean... Yeah, probably the Republicans, yeah, they want to talk about Trump, but they also do genuinely care about crime. I haven't heard them say defund the police. I haven't heard them say let's go soft on criminals. I haven't heard them say, boy, you know what, maybe we should give this person a break for their 40th arrest. You know, I mean, give me a break. That to me is so insulting and so disgraceful. It just shows they didn't care what she had to say. It didn't matter what this woman had to say. African-American woman, her son was an Army veteran, and that's the best that the Democrats could do. That was shameful. Your thoughts about what you just heard. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David, line four. Uh, David, you're calling in. Your thoughts. Yeah, hi. Listen, I was one of the victims of Alvin Bragg's um, problems. I, I was assaulted on the street in September. I was on the Curtis Lewis show, actually, and I told him about it. But um, the problem was that the police said that he would be charged with a felony. The guy would go to jail. We caught the guy. There was no issue with that. But um, Alvin Bragg's office asked me to sign off on lesser charges and saying that it wasn't a felony when it was. And when I refused to sign off on the fake charges, they said we're dropping the case because um, you don't you're, you refuse to sign the papers, which were, were fake papers. And I went, it was intimidated. And I'm so upset by this. I just wanted to find out if there's anything I can do. I wish I was part of the thing today, but I didn't even know about it. Wow. So, Wait, David, yeah. first off, tell me again what happened to you um, in terms of the attack, was, because yeah, no. obviously, by the way, what you just said to me, that is shameful of Alvin Bragg that he was trying to get you to reduce it because he's had a history of reducing felonies 
to misdemeanors. He has a 52% record of reducing felonies to misdemeanors, um, which is an enormously poor record. And it sounds like he's tried to do the same thing, in other words, to many people. Um, What happened to you and why do you think he wanted it reduced to a misdemeanor? I was um, I was uh, a guy hit me from a motorbike. I held on to the bike so the police could come and the guy didn't like it. So he punched me in the face really hard and, and I got knocked out with a concussion. I have severe neurological problems from this lasting. It was since last September in 2022. The policeman caught the guy. They said, don't worry, this guy's going to jail. We have everything. There was, it was it was a very clear case. But when the DA handled it, um, and I asked her to charge the guy, I, I had a list of charges. I said, please. He said he was going to kill me. I said attempted murder. There were other things. It was clearly a felony because there was severe physical injury and bodily damage. But um, when they finally gave me the papers, there was it was just a misdemeanor charge. And I said, wait a second, this is not uh, the real charges. This this misses all of the intense, like severe physical injury. It was just basically like he hit me but there was no lasting damage on the papers. And I said, I can't sign this. This isn't true. And she said, listen, if you're not signing it today, um, we, we're going to, she, she just dropped the charges. And I said, I, I gave her something to send to the judge saying, please, um, as a disability accommodation, I asked for under my ADA uh, rules, because I have a disability. Can you please extend the time limit? The DA never even gave the paper. She said, listen, I, I didn't even do that. I just, we just dropped the charges. That's the, that's how we're dealing with this. And that was it. And I'm wow. Now, so did you upset. say why, David? Did you say why the heck are you doing this? Yeah, she. I wrote her a long email. Everything's documented because I taped all the conversations with. And the wh- DA what did and she everything. say? If you could, real quick, what did she say? She said, "I'm not going to answer those questions." I asked her if justice was served. She said, "I said you're the only person that can answer that." She said, "She said I'm not answering your questions." She refused to answer all of my questions. Wow. Well, by the way, I suggest uh, that you reach out to Jim Jordan's committee because who knows, maybe they're going to have another hearing. Um, And if and regardless, you should have all your stuff in the record there, David. You should definitely reach out to the House Judiciary Committee and whoever is facilitating and helping Jim Jordan and the others there, because I'm sure they would love to know about your case as well. The more, the better as they're building up all this information. And most importantly, David, I am so glad that you are okay. Um, but obviously, as you mentioned, you still have a lot of issues uh, neurologically and everything else, understandably, uh, from this. And obviously, what a horrible, uh, first of all, experience physically and what an injustice, too. I am so sorry that that happened to you. And you should definitely reach out, I think, to Congress because who knows? Maybe they'll have part two soon and they for- should definitely know what happened to you. Uh, wow, wow, wow. David, thank you. Very, very much for calling. I'm so sorry to hear that. Everybody, we are going to continue with your calls. You just heard what David went through and others who were there testifying today. Sounds like there's a lot of cases. Uh, Too many to even have testified today. They would have been there for uh, years, it sounds like, based on the cases that they have done this to. But what is your reaction? And the fact that all Democrats can say is, oh, this is politics. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. that some of these witnesses were treated today by Democrats who were shouting them down, disparaging them. Of course, their goal was to try to discredit the GOP. But in the process, they were like saying to these witnesses who've been victims of crime, horrible crime. Um, some of them were they lost loved ones. In those cases, they were like, um, do you feel you're being used? Do you feel that this is political? They're like, uh, I'm here to talk about my child. I'm here to talk about justice, which I never received or my child never received. And that's the best Democrats can do. It was pathetic. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe. Line one. Joe, your thoughts about this. Did you watch the hearing, by the way, today, Joe? Did you watch it? I don't have a TV. Uh, I'm in a basement apartment, which an outreach program took 18 months to get me and my American Marine mongrel and a my wheelchair into this unit without even it's not even wheelchair access. Well, by, by the way, by the way, Joe, you got you got radio, so you don't need that anyway. But but you heard it from me. So what did you think, my friend? And And by the way, you know how much I love you and love your service. So thank you. Love you even more, Rita. I did listen to the excerpts on your station, NWOR. And it really broke my heart, especially with Senor Jose Alba. And he sounds so young. He's a little older than me. He sounds so young. And he was shocked when the police, there are good cops and bad cops. Those cops were bad cops arresting him. Rita, the police can hold the person for 72 hours, three days and nights. And they didn't have to charge him. He would have been handcuffed to the gurney, bring him to the hospital, have a police guard. And he, he almost died in Rikers Island. He almost died. I know. It, by the way, Joe, it is outrageous. I agree with you. I agree he shouldn't have been charged. On the other hand, once we know that Alvin Bragg saw the videotape, he still wasn't Rikers Island. I mean, I mean, to me, all you do is you pop in the videotape. The guy is saying this is what happened. I can understand if they said, you know what, we're not really sure, but let's. I, I, he should have gotten the benefit of the doubt, for one thing, but... Regardless, there was a videotape. I mean, to me, once you see the videotape, it should take about one second to say this guy should never be charged with anything. Why do you think it took so long? Because, Rita, my love, Alvin Bragg committed a crime by keeping his crimes, plural, plurality, plural, by keeping that poor guy there in Rikers Island where he could have been an easy target to be raped, to be murdered. That's depraved indifference. Also, by keeping him there, that was unlawful confinement. And let me tell you something. 
that thug, that Democrat, and I don't like, I don't like either party, but the Democrats are destroying this country. And that thug who tried to talk down that woman, who I heard her on the Giuliani show, it breaks my heart. When a brother or sister American veteran after coming home from Afghanistan to Iraq or another unnecessary war is killed on U.S. soil by thugs who never serve. They should separate these thugs from society and they should keep them somewhere in a off the coast somewhere on an island because they are cancer. Rita, you cannot make friends with cancer. You have to eradicate it. And I'm saying to all my brother and sister American veterans, and everyone with a disability, you tell these thugs it's a hate crime if you put hands on a disabled person. And Rita, it is a federal felony. I, by the way, Joe, 1,000%. And let alone a veteran, anybody disabled, 1,000%. We love you, Joe. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Miami, Florida, where a car submerged in a South Florida canal with a three year old boy trapped inside. He was in the car seat. A father was frantic for help. That's the scene when Miami Dade police officers arrived. And without thinking, they immediately jumped into action. In the back passenger seat of the sinking car was a three-year-old boy trapped in his car seat, said Orlando Barone, who's the father of the boy. Quote, I felt like I was dying, not so much for me, but for my child. I've lived a little, but he hasn't. That day, he had just turned three years old. Now, the father said that he lost control of his car. He tried to avoid an oncoming car, and he crashed into a canal. Even as police arrived, Orlando refused to leave his son's side. And this is when Sergeant Edward Webster said, that's what I saw when I got there. It was like the father trying to hold on to his child, saving him, trying to do whatever he could, and he couldn't get the kid out of the water. And when police officers responded to the scene, Officer Emmanuel Walton immediately dove into the murky canal waters multiple times, each time coming up empty handed. Every time he would actually come out and he wouldn't come up with the baby, we all started to get very, very worried. Eventually, Officer Walton said that he felt the baby seat, the car seat, and I pulled it as hard as I could because I couldn't figure out where the seatbelt was or anything of that nature. Luckily, it broke off and the child was able to pop up to the top of the car. Extricating little Christopher, who again just turned three that day from his car, was only half of the challenge. Another officer, Junior Clavel, said after that, then they had to perform CPR on the little boy. And finally, after three sets of CPR, he finally threw up water that was inside of his stomach. Thank goodness the little boy is said to be okay. The father's okay. And the officers are being heralded as true heroes tonight. Bravo to these great officers and so many others that risked their lives doing incredibly difficult tasks, saving young and old every single day in this country. Well, we are talking about justice or lack thereof in America. And I thought it was epitomized, sadly, in many ways today at the hearing, the field hearing for the House Judiciary Committee. This is led, of course, by Jim Jordan. 
And he said, you know, we're trying to figure out what's going on because we know that Alvin Bragg, the New York D.A., said his objective was to go after President Trump, not to go after real criminals in New York. And they keep maintaining, many of the Democrats, that it's the safest big city in America. Anybody who lives in New York, do you feel like you are in the safest big city in America? I don't think a single one would answer that as yes. And look at so many other cities where there are soft on crime DAs, whether it's Philly, whether it is Los Angeles, whether it's Memphis. There's a number of places across the country where these soft on crime DAs have just corroded the quality of life. They've allowed these repeat offenders to go back out over and over and over again. And so today the House Judiciary Committee said, well, you know what, if Alvin Bragg's not going to come to us, we're going to go to him. And so they had the hearing today in New York, uh, right down the street, basically, from Alvin Bragg's office, essentially. And one of the witnesses was this Madeline Brame, who I had mentioned. Her son, an Army sergeant, was beaten and stabbed nine times by multiple people in 2018. And the prosecution for the case has dragged on for more than four years. And Bragg ultimately removed the indictments against two of the suspects, in favor of lesser charges. We just had Dave call before, talk about his own experience, where he says Bragg's office reduced a felony where he was attacked to a misdemeanor. And in this case, it was reduced significantly as well. And obviously a very serious charge because they were tied to a murder of a, you know, of a heralded army sergeant. Two others did get life sentences, but the other two that were seen on videotape, one of them was already out. And the other one, guess what, is getting out very soon. So guess what? If you are Madeline Brame, well, of course you are going to be frustrated. Of course you're going to be outraged. And, of course, you're going to want justice for your son. Take a listen to her very compelling opening statement just a few hours ago. Good morning. My name is Madeline Brame. I'm the chairwoman of Victims' Rights Reform Council. I'm also the mother of a homicide victim. My son, Sergeant Hassan Korea. Afghanistan war retired veteran was killed in Harlem in 2018. Hassan was kicked, punched, stomped, and stabbed nine times by four individuals he did not know, nor had he done them any harm. All four of these individuals were apprehended and all four charged with first degree gang assault and second degree murder. This case just resolved this year. So this case drug on through the Manhattan criminal court system for four and a half years. When Alvin Bragg came into office, he was, held, he was handed a strong, trial-ready murder case and gang assault case against all four of these individuals where this brutal, savage homicide was captured on video. You got it on video. They played a role. Obviously, there was enough to charge them immediately. And one of them is out, and the other one's going to be out in 18 months. Here's a little bit more of Madeline Brame. Take a listen to her unbelievably compelling testimony today. She's capable at any moment of snapping and attacking someone and holding them while someone else plunges a butcher knife into their body nine times and another person 12 times and then run away and leave their body in the street to bleed to death. This is the type of criminal element that we have walking the streets 
of New York City on a daily basis. All types of criminal elements. Free to do what they want, when they want, however they want, to whomever they want, with no consequences, no deterrence. And then she said, there is a message here for Alvin Bragg. He should not be funded for his investigations because he is not living up, she says, to his oath to protect and serve. As far as the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, if he's receiving one penny of federal dollars, you need to pull that funding until he starts doing his damn job and prosecuting crime. I was totally disrespected. Me, my family, my grandchildren, we were treated like garbage. Like garbage. I've sat for four and a half years and saw mothers walk in and out. We have a mother sitting here right now whose son, two sons, one died and the other one is on a colonoscopy bag. This is out of Darcel Clark's jurisdiction. So I'm not the only one. There are hundreds and thousands of us. We don't give a damn about your politics. We don't care. It could be the man from the moon who's running for president. Okay? As long as whoever's in there, it stands for law and order. And it's going to return some civility and sanity to our city. Thank you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. A mother saying, I want justice for my son. And what do the Democrats do basically in response? They say that the GOP is playing politics with people like her. Take a listen. This was an outrageous comment from Congressman Hank Johnson. The Republican witnesses who have used their time to criticize Attorney Bragg have served as props in a MAGA Broadway production. The real purpose in coming to New York City. Can we have order? The real purpose in coming to New York City. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. Stop the clock. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. For the audience, I've said several times now that the committee has to be in order. If if anyone continues, then we're going to have to escort some people out. Yeah, I mean, that is insane. She is sitting there saying, where's the justice? It's on videotape. And you've got these people playing a role clearly in the murder and one is already out. I mean, and one is going to get out in a few months. How is that justice for her son or for anybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line one. BJ, your thoughts. Well, Rita, um, I... uh, uh... My prayers and thoughts are with these patriots that stood up uh, for the memory of their loved ones. Their loved ones are looking down on them from heaven, and uh, uh, they are brave people, and they stood up. They didn't probably even have to testify. They could have gotten out of it, but they stood and put themselves through this again anyway for our benefit. We should heed their warning because this is coming to a city near you if it already has not come to a city near you. This rampant lawlessness, this this is the Reichstag fire that the Democrats are inflicting on us to take all our rights away. And all of those Democrat congressmen, I remember every one of your names and how you mocked these people when they came to you and asked for help and how you you, uh, belittled them and, and lectured to them. And, uh, you know, 
this is a, a terrible thing, what's happening. Years ago when I was a boy, and I remember uh, the son of Sam, all of New York is united to try and do their best. Uh, and now we're in a divided place, a clearly divided partisan place. Uh, and all of those Democrats got up there and mocked the victims and used it to talk about Donald Trump, uh, which had nothing to do with this. The man whose son was attacked uh, from Long Island, uh, he pointed this out. He said, look, you know, uh, my son was wounded. All you guys want to do is talk about Trump. This is all you did for, for years. Uh, but we are here on the street. We're the ones suffering. This is a hypocrisy of the Democrat Party. They claim to be for the little guy. They claim to represent those who, whose voice cannot be heard. But yet it's those whose voice that cannot be heard that get trampled and thrown under the bus every time you trust a Democrat lawmaker. Every time they get used and abused. And I would really like to follow the money because that's where you find the master. I would bet dollars to donuts that every one of these Democrats has taken Soros money because this is where this is coming from, this type of disruption. No one has this power or this this type of stronghold. No one would be able to get away with it many years ago. But this is money talking, what you're, what you're witnessing here. Well, you this know what, you know, BJ, album- you, hit it, you hit it on the head. It, it's money, but where's the heart? I mean, I, I was very emotional watching a lot of the testimony. And for those of you who didn't even see it, just to hear Madeline Brame hear this mother with this angst that she's having and the heartbreak. How could you not feel for the mother? And the response was, um, you know, uh, we feel bad for you, but uh, right away it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, there was like zero almost compassion for the witnesses. It was really shameful. And right away they went to the politics of it all. I mean, uh, you know what? Crime shouldn't be political. Crime should be Safe for every city should be safe for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. It should be. Are you safe or are you not safe? And boy, the Democrats tried to politicize it and are blaming the Republicans for playing the politics game. Take a listen, by the way, because you brought up the Nadler uh, instance uh, and the father's response. First off, here, um, BJ, is Gerald Nadler. Some of the comments that he made after all this compelling testimony, this is the best he could do, throwing a barb at Chairman Jim Jordan of the committee. We are here today in Lower Manhattan for one reason only. The chairman is doing the bidding of Donald Trump. Committee Republicans designed this hearing to intimidate and deter the duly elected district attorney of Manhattan from doing the work his constituents elected him to do. They have demanded access to the inner workings of an ongoing criminal case. Give that's the best you can do after you hear a mother pleading for justice, here's a little more of New York Congressman Gerald Nadler. They have perpetuated the anti-Semitic and racist tropes that Mr. Trump has directed at both the prosecutor and the judge in this case. They are using their public offices and the resources of this committee to protect their political patron, Donald Trump. It is an outrageous abuse of power. It is, to use the chairman's favorite term, a weaponization of the House Judiciary Committee. And as you just mentioned, BJ, here is the father responding to that outrage. This is Barry Brogan. His son, Joseph, was the victim of a brutal anti-Semitic attack in Times Square where he was just beaten up by so many people. It was clearly a hate crime. And those who did it barely got a slap on the wrist and listened to Barry Brogan, the father of that victim. When my son got um, 
beaten up by these six individuals. We heard from many politicians. But uh, I must quote Mayor Adams or the candidate, Hochul, Governor Hochul, I must uh, uh, take notice with Mr. Nadler. You're a Jewish New Yorker. I called your office numerous times. I called Mr. Schumer's office, another Jewish New Yorker, numerous times. No one called us back. Neither one of you came out of statement on my son's incident. Okay? You're a Jewish New Yorker. You have Jewish roots here. At behavior like this enables D.A. Bragg to just do whatever he wants to do. If you guys would have come out with a statement from Washington that we condemn anti this beating to Mr. Borg and son, we condemned anti said we condemn this act. Maybe Mr. Bragg would have taken this case a little more seriously, and I call you out on it. And, I'm, and most of my friends, I am so disheartened with you and Mr. Schumer. You don't understand. We wouldn't vote for Mr. Schumer again if we stood on our head. And if I lived in Manhattan, I wouldn't vote for you either. Wow, what a powerful statement. And the fact that here it is. He said, listen, right afterwards, I was calling your offices and you didn't even call me back and your son was brutalized. I mean, that to me is stunning. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. What do you think of Alvin Bragg's justice in New York? The Rita Cosby Show. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg and his lack of going after criminals. The revolving door that is in New York City and so many other big cities across this country. Well, it was on full display. By the way, there was also a recent story. Get this just as an example. Shoplifters in New York, they estimate police that 327 people out of the millions in New York commit 6,000 arrests, 6,000 crimes at least, that they tracked that 327 of them committed at least that because, you know, they didn't get caught every time, but they were rearrested, the 327, more than 6,000 times. They concentrated on 18 different department stores, seven chain pharmacy locations, accounted for 20% of all the complaints. But this clearly shows the revolving door that these few hundred were committing thousands upon thousands of crimes. Guess what that means? They were getting back out and didn't get a lesson from the first, second, third, eighth, ninth, tenth, twelfth time that they did it. Because guess what? Soft on crime That is the repercussion, and it is emboldening criminals of all different behaviors. And today we heard from some of the worst of it, some of those who were victims of violent attacks, some of them who lost loved ones because their child was murdered, as we were just talking about Madeline Brame, and the killer, one of them back out, who was tied to the crime, and another one who will be out in 18 months. How is that justice? How does Alvin Bragg think that that is helping the streets of New York? But no, no, no. If his last name's Trump, uh, I'm sure there wouldn't even be any debate. I'm sure he'd be behind bars uh, for the rest of his life, which, by the way, somebody who's tied to a murder should be. But not in this case, because Alvin Bragg said, we're going to give that person a pass. But uh, but Trump, let's see if we can bump up a misdemeanor to a felony and make it 34 of them. It's probably the only case where he's really inflated the charges. Everything else is like, ah, oh, pass. Okay, only uh, only 100 robberies. Keep going. Keep going. Nothing to see here. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil on line two. Phil, your thoughts about where this is going and, and how gripping this hearing was today. Wow. It's really heavy duty. But one thing that disturbs me is that I, I kind of look despondently on the uh, Congress people, the House of Rep people that came here and, uh, for two reasons. One that uh, they they didn't do anything with the uh, January 6th people who were still incarcerated, horrendous charges, which they're not guilty of, and the, the murder of Ashley Babbitt by that that uh, that uh, federal cop. I mean, why aren't they investigating the prosecutor on that stuff? That's you a good point. I mean? By the way, Phil, although you that would not be New York-centric, but you're absolutely right. Um, you're right. There should be some focus, certainly, on all of that. And the family of Ashley Babbitt deserves answers. And and some of the questions about all those guys, especially with the new videotape that came out that showed them basically being let in. Um, I agree. You're, but continue on this one. Go ahead, my friend. It's it's you know what it is. I think it's starting to sound like open season on vets. And, and that woman, Ashley Babbitt, was a veteran and she had no weapons on her and she was just blown to kingdom come. But the point is that that the fate of the veterans here, that poor woman who lost her son, who was a sergeant in the service. I mean, that, that, that's incomprehensible that the man is defending his country. Meanwhile, the country that does it. You know what it is in the, in the bottom analysis, Reed? It's very simple. Hochul was told the prisons are full. We don't have any room. We don't want to make any room. Keep keep the pressure on your, your prosecutors not to send people up here because you're only going upstate on a felony. You're not going to get local time. You're going to go upstate. But, so you, but the bottom people, line is, Phil, you got to put people behind bars or build more prisons. I mean, you know what? You don't give them a free pass and say, hey, society, good luck with these people. That's not the way it works. Phil, thank you very much. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, kids need to know there are repercussions. And anybody who commits a crime, young or old, needs to be aware that there will be a punishment. Especially somebody who's a young child, like a teenager, needs to know. Um, And boy, a lot of that was on display today in the hearing that took place in New York City for the House Judiciary Committee. And New York isn't alone, guys. Chicago. We're going to talk about that now on the Rita Cosby Show. This is stunning. The new mayor-elect. I couldn't believe this. This guy, first of all, is to the left of the left of Lori Lightfoot. And, of course, she doesn't make it to the runoff. So it's between this guy and Paul Vallis, who had the support of the police. This guy had the support of the criminals, it seemed, right? Because he clearly was giving them a free pass, saying, we're going to give social workers. At one point, talking about defunding the police. And even saying, we're going to bring in more social workers and maybe less police. Uh, Boy, that's really going to work out well in a dangerous community like Chicago. Well, over the weekend, the images were stunning. You could see 
people protesting all over the place. And there were groups of teens, especially, that were all over the place, basically torching cars, destroying businesses. Um, There were also three individuals that were shot. Two teenage boys, one 16, 17, uh, are in stable condition but were shot in the middle of all this. So these were dangerous. Uh, They were potentially deadly. And so what does the new mayor-elect have to say? Because people were saying, of course, crime is a huge issue in Chicago, not just New York, but so many of these big cities across the country. And the first chance that the new mayor, who, again, is to the left of the left of Lori Lightfoot, he has a chance to come out and speak. And what does he say? He comes out and says, you know, it's probably not a good idea that they're doing this chaos. Not a good idea. Are you kidding me? My heart is with Chicago. It's going to go downhill fast if this guy's in control. And then he came out and said, but it's not constructive to demonize teens. It is not constructive to demonize teens. In other words, if you're torching a car or you're burning a business down or you're doing something like that, I guess we're supposed to applaud you, right? We're supposed to stand back and give you a parade, We're not supposed to demonize you, according to this new mayor. The guy hasn't even taken office yet, and he's already plunging Chicago into a bigger abyss than Lori Lightfoot ever could. He's making Lori Lightfoot. Earlier today, I was talking with Rudy Giuliani, and Rudy had a great line. Rudy said, this guy is basically making Lori Lightfoot look like Steve Bannon. I mean, you know, really. This guy, God, I I am praying for Chicago. I love Chicago. I was a guest host on a radio show in Chicago one time. I love Chicago. It is so much fun. It is a great place and a great city. And it is going to go downhill even more than it did under Lori Lightfoot. Now, with this guy that you see these images, it's like you got to, like, buckle up and send a strong message. This was his chance to set the tone. And he already got an F. I mean, this is frightening. Don't demonize teens who are torching and destroying properties. Love them. Be kind to them. Maybe somehow things will get better. Boy, is that pathetic. Take a listen. Here's a little bit more of Rudy Giuliani talking about it earlier today and what he thinks of this new mayor-elect in Chicago, Brandon Johnson. We knew that he was a defund the police, Black Lives Matter uh, and remember, the Black Lives Matter, let's let's get straight, is a kill police organization that's run by communists who would like to overthrow the United States. All you have to do is read about them, and they tell you they're not shy about that. Everybody else lies about them, but they will tell you, you know, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, means kill the police. Police killings have gone up. So these are two terrible organizations. So what would you expect from this guy? Uh, the only thing I'll say about him is at least he doesn't pretend Half the Democrats make believe they're not like that, but they are. I mean, half the Democrats make believe they're trying to protect us, and they let all the criminals out. And Bill O'Reilly was also on Cats and Cosby, which I was hosting, of course, earlier today, 5 o'clock on WABC Radio. You can hear it on WABCradio.com. And this is what Bill had to say about the riots in Chicago. The Chicago uh, situation was generated by the Internet. And somebody said, we're going to go down and cause trouble at 7 o'clock, and we'll all meet here. And hundreds of kids showed up, mostly minority kids. Of course, that wasn't reported, because it never is. Um, And then they decided to cause trouble, because they know that they will not be held accountable. Now, there's an exception 
the three kids who were shot, you know, by their own peers, um, they paid a price. But believe no one else will. How sad is that? And he said, boy, it is important right away. If you have teens that are causing trouble, destroying property businesses, shooting at people, well, guess what? You got to say something. Take a listen. There's a little more of Bill O'Reilly. It's like a permissive parent. If you don't discipline your children, they'll burn the house down. Yeah. And guess what? Chicago was burning this weekend. And under this new mayor, things are going to be really tough. As if it didn't hit rock bottom enough. And crime wasn't skyrocketing enough in the Windy City. It's about to get a lot worse. And again, they had a choice. They could have gone for this guy who was a lot tougher um, and much more pro-police. He was a Democrat, but still very much supported the police unions. He didn't get it. This other guy did. And boy, now Chicago, I think, is going to be in real disarray. And speaking of teens, this is interesting. And I would love to hear your thoughts about this. In Paramus, New Jersey, they have just announced that the Westfield Garden State Plaza Mall is going to be banning minors on weekend nights unless they are accompanied by an adult, unless they have a chaperone. Uh, They said, you know, that they just don't want kids hanging around, causing trouble, and that usually if they're there after 5 o'clock on a weekend night, they're up to no good on Friday and Saturday nights. So they're saying that from 5 p.m. Friday and Saturday till close, that unless you have a chaperone with you, yeah, can come in. That will change the behavior because they say a lot of them are in there doing no good, drugs, potentially a whole bunch of other things. And that now suddenly having others there supervising, watching, that way the kids will stay out of trouble. They're not the only one. There's a couple other malls across this country that are doing the same thing, saying that we have to do something. At least the mall is doing something. They're not saying, oh, it's not constructive to be mean to teenagers like the new mayor-elect of Chicago. What a disaster that is. And that's just the sort of sign of this sort of bleeding heart, liberal attitude. It's sort of that same sort of George Soros mindset that, you know what, we have to give somebody else a chance for the 80th time. As if somebody's going to improve if they haven't been told that this is the wrong behavior, that there will be punishment. And today, very much that attitude was on display at the hearing in New York. Uh, Again, this was the one by House Judiciary Committee Chairman spearheaded by Jim Jordan and his team. And Matt Gates was also there. He's also on the Judiciary Committee, of course, the congressman from Florida. And this is what he said is basically happening not just in Chicago, not just in New York, but really cities around this country. Take a listen. To the extent that there is an impact on crime rates in major cities, I would suggest that that is exactly what you get with the Sorosization of the United States justice system. And in places like New Orleans, Louisiana, in places like Tampa, Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida, in Tucson, Arizona, increasingly George Soros is putting in upwards of $40 million to elect 75 uh, DAs to be able to engage in these downgrades. $40 million, 75 DAs. Think about that kind of money. And often, 
these DA races often don't get a lot of money. But under George Soros, some of them got a million bucks, especially in the bigger cities. I mean, that is a big influx of cash. And then they are essentially beholden to his policies or propped up because they already espouse his policies typically, usually. You don't have to transform them. They're already there. You know, it is just, it is an unbelievable trend that we're seeing across this country. And here's what Matt Gates thinks of New York City justice. Take a listen. Our criminal justice system is insane. It's dangerous. It's harmful. And it is destroying the fabric of our city. Time and again, our police officers make an arrest. And then the person who is arrested for assault, felonious assault, robberies and gun possession, they're finding themselves back on the street within days, if not hours, after arrest. Eric Adams, New York mayor. My friends, the reason we are here in New York is because you have Democrats, you have citizens calling for some relief from this pain, and we are here not to use anyone, but to uplift the voices of brave people who are here to tell their story. And there were definitely some brave people who testified today. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota, line one. Uh, Dom, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, Rita. Kudos to Jim Jordan for bringing Congress to the front door of Alvin and his chipmunks. You know, politics is showbiz for the ugly. And these people are so ugly on the inside with their politics that their outer look really complements the inner devil, which is which is exactly what is happening with Humpty Dumpty Nadler and Alvin the chipmunk. <laughs> By the way, you know, you always have the good names. Uh, how long <laughs> did it take you to come up with Alvin and the chipmunks, Tom? <laughs> uh, no, well, I mean, I used to, I, it used to be my favorite uh, you know, song, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, you know, absolutely, absolutely. all the time. Absolutely. No, I, I'm familiar with it, but it, but that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, I really felt bad for the mother of the Army veteran murdered by Bragg's crime syndicate. You know, what I think is Jim Jordan should have these hearings in California, Chicago, and every other city where there is rising crime and send the city's security bill to George Soros. And then he could rename the Judiciary Committee to the Committee to Reeducate Soros. Yeah, you know what? Uh, he does need some reeducation. I will definitely give you that, Dom. Thank you very much, my friend. And you're right. Um, my heart bled so much for that Madeline Brame, uh, who lost her heroic son. Again, an Army veteran um, who was, again, uh, killed by people that he did not know. And she says there was no provocation. There was nothing. It's on videotape. And two of them basically got a slap on the wrist. I mean, that is an astounding uh, testament to the really poor justice system in New York that clearly is not fair for everybody. And boy, is that a frightening, frightening testament to Alvin Bragg's DA system. Because she says as soon as it went to the DA's office, Alvin Bragg's DA's office, Within a few months, he, she said the case just suddenly fell apart, that everybody was talking. It was a strong case. They had video. They had this. They had that. And then suddenly he came in and the whole thing fell apart. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What is the solution? And are you seeing a pattern? And are you seeing things sadly getting worse? In Chicago, I think it's about to get a lot worse under this new mayor-elect who seems to think it's not nice to demonize teens. And then you've got Alvin Bragg, who says, 
I don't know why, you know, they're coming to New York to criticize my policy on crime. Could it be because you're letting all these people out? I mean, it's like unfathomable. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't know what they're talking about. Well, just walk down the streets of New York. Just walk down the streets of any major city in this country with a soft on crime DA. Just open your eyes. You'll see it in five seconds. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we were just talking about Madeline Brame, whose son was killed by, she says, four strangers who just suddenly attacked him several years ago and stabbed him to death. Take a listen again to her unbelievably compelling testimony when she was describing what happened to her son, Army Sergeant Hassan Correa, again, who was beaten and stabbed nine times by multiple people in 2018. And she says she is outraged because the case fell apart as soon as Alvin Bragg took over the case. As far as the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, if he's receiving one penny of federal dollars, you need to pull that funding until he starts doing his damn job and prosecuting crime. I was totally disrespected. Me, my family, my grandchildren, we were treated like garbage. Like garbage. I've sat for four and a half years and saw mothers walk in and out. We have a mother sitting here right now whose son, two sons, one died and the other one is on a colostopy bag. This is out of Darcel Clark's jurisdiction. So I'm not the only one. There are hundreds and thousands of us. We don't give a damn about your politics. We don't care. It could be the man from the moon who's running for president. Okay? As long as whoever's in there is stands for law and order and is going to return some civility and sanity to our city. Thank you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And she said this is not... A red issue, a blue issue, it is a red, white, and blue issue for all Americans. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Cheryl on line two. Your thoughts about all this, Cheryl? Oh, good evening, Rita. It's so nice to speak to you. I just had to comment about Miss Madeline Brame. She is an angel in the bowels of hell. Does Mr. Bragg remember Judas? This man has and is betraying all people within his jurisdiction. How much do you sell your soul for? Is his money that he's getting for this worth being sent to the bowels of hell? I hope he realizes it very soon because I think he's on on his way to hell in a basket. And that's all I have to say. I admire her. She's what we need in America. This is America. She's not talking for brown, black, yellow, white, or anything. She is talking for people. And isn't that what we put on this earth for? By God? To help each other? Not to crucify each other? I am so disgusted with this horrible story. But this lovely woman has become a hero to me. Yeah, by the way, by the way, Cheryl, to me too, and I bet you millions of Americans, I think anybody who watched that today 
uh, could not just feel, first of all, the heartache of a mother um, and the outrage of a mother and the courage, just like you said, to have the courage to go out there and to be able to speak to, you know, not just Congress, but to America about what happened. Uh, God bless her. And I, I I have such respect for her, too. You are so right on, Cheryl. I'm so glad you talked about her. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Michael. Line five. Michael, your thoughts. First of all, Madeline Brame. Wow. Uh, what a dynamo and what a heroic and courageous woman speaking so powerfully and forcefully on behalf of her son. And on behalf of the American people also. Um, other than Democrat career politicians that just love to blame and hate Americans first, another reason why these uh, Democrat or career politicians love to release the criminals back on the street is because it saves money. And these Democrat career politicians need that money in order to buy votes from not just future American citizens that were former illegal aliens, but also from public employees. We know that public employees, especially in New Jersey and New York, 98% of them vote Democrat. And in order to keep that coming, they got to supply them with their, with their pensions, and they have to supply them with guaranteed um, salary increases every year, and they need the money. And when you put criminals in jail, that costs money. So there's another benefit for Democrats to put um, these criminals back on the street to hurt us and harm us and kill us. These Democrats, like I said before publicly, they have a lot of blood on their hands. And we got to all think outside the box for the other reasons why they put these criminals back on the street. Really think about it. To incarcerate a criminal, it, it costs millions of dollars, all these criminals. But, so but you know what, Michael? You know money, what? Back on the street. Think but, about it. But they you know what's amazing, Michael? By... Think about the cost of what happens to society when they put them back out on the streets. I mean, I mean, I hear what you're saying, that it costs money to incarcerate them. I'm not sure if it's the money. I think it's more the mindset. Um, maybe it is the money, too. But certainly the mindset uh, seems to be at least, I think, spearheading it because they feel like, oh, well, let's give somebody another chance. Let's take this into account without the account of the victim. I mean, how many times and we heard it over and over again today, sadly, that like sort of the victim and the victim's families were like sort of second fiddle. I mean, that to me, all of that is what a a travesty of justice. I mean, and when I heard the stories, it was stunning. When we come back, by the way, we're going to hear more of the testimony. Get some of your reaction. Is it about the money, like Michael's saying? Is it about the mindset? Or what is it that they continue to have these repeat offenders over and over again? This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great military and, of course, their incredible families. A beautiful story coming from Lexington, Kentucky, where World War II veteran Albert West was celebrated for the accomplishment of a lifetime his 100th birthday. I would say he deserves a celebration for that. Uh, Wes said regarding the party, I never knew what was going to be like this. This is something else, isn't it? Well, the First Baptist Church in the area there welcomed the celebration by inviting his loved ones to gather and to celebrate. 
Many members of the church came there and also members of the community and political leaders. West, by the way, was drafted in the Army 80 years ago on his 20th birthday. But a service didn't stop after his retirement. Once he put the uniform down and finished serving the nation, he then started serving the community. And among the many different gifts that were given to him on his birthday, in addition to dedications and uh, beautiful, beautiful items, he received one very special one uh, from his hometown saying that April 16th is now officially Albert West Day in Lexington. What a beautiful, beautiful story and a great way to honor this great member of the greatest generation, 100 years young, Albert West, who, how beautiful, sounds sharp as a tack, too, and able to see a beautiful celebration on his 100th birthday. And, of course, we are talking about the hearings that took place in New York today by the House Judiciary Committee. And there were many witnesses there. We talked about Madeline Brame, and there were a number of others that were there as well. Jose Alba, he, of course, was the bodega worker who was being attacked brutally by this guy who came into the store. He was upset because Jose Alba gave his girlfriend a hard time and told the girlfriend, basically, don't steal the potato chips. you got to pay for them. I work here at the store. And the next thing, the guy jumps over the counter and starts attacking Jose Alba, basically blocks him in. And Jose Alba was defending himself. You could see it on the videotape. But remember, that Bragg's office and Alvin Bragg himself charged Jose Alba with second-degree murder. You could see it on the videotape that suddenly the guy hops behind the counter and corners in the clerk, Jose Alba, the guy from the Dominican Republic, and starts attacking him and beating him. And he had no choice but to defend himself. And so what happens? He gets charged with second-degree murder. He gets thrown in Rikers even after the videotape is seen by the DA's office. And it wasn't until there was enormous public outcry that finally they dropped the charges against Jose Alba. Well, Jose Alba said, I don't believe in American justice. How sad is that? He fled. He left the country after he was cleared. And then he went to Dominican Republic. Well, he was back in New York and he had Imran Ansari, who's an attorney, basically testify on his behalf. And this is what Imran Ansari, how he described what happened to Jose Alba. Take a listen. I took pride in the hard work I put in every day at the store to earn my own money and support myself and my family. That is when I encountered a true and real threat to my life. After I simply told a woman that she could not have potato chips because her payment was declined, I was face to face with her boyfriend who seemed ready to kill me. He attacked me violently, threw me around the store. The woman stabbed me herself. I truly believed they were there to kill me. So faced with this, I did what I knew I had to do to save my life. What the law, what the law allows me to do to save my life. I stabbed that man in self-defense. Can you imagine? 61-year-old store clerk just trying to make ends meet in a small little bodega shop in New York. And then he gets charged with the murder of this guy. And the guy was an ex-con, Austin Simon, 35 years old. Remember, it happened July of last year. 
And by the way, uh, he is also Alba in the middle of planning a lawsuit against the city and the Manhattan DA's office for $10 million, saying what happened to him was unconscionable. And then he was thrown into Rikers. Can you imagine for defending yourself? Well, here's a little bit more of this guy, Imran Ansari, speaking on behalf of Jose Alba, saying that justice was not fair in New York City under Alvin Bragg. I believe that law enforcement and the DA's office didn't investigate the case fully. They rushed to judgment, and I suffered because of it. Even though the charges were ultimately dropped, they should not have been brought against me to begin with. I am now traumatized from the incident. I am not working because I am terrified for my life that someone in the gang will come after me for revenge. I was injured physically and mentally because of the incident and my unlawful arrest and incarceration. Wow, saying that he feels he is worried about retribution from gangs. That's why he couldn't come back. Because uh, this guy uh, was one bad hombre, this guy, the ex-con who he killed. And people say, oh, why did you kill him? Well, if you look at the video, uh, he was being beaten. And then the girl was trying to stab him, too, at the same time. I mean, but what, he's not supposed to? What, is he supposed to be, like, uh, in a coma? And then at that point, he's allowed to maybe defend himself. You know, I mean, this is insane. Absolutely insane. It just epitomized Bragg's justice system. And again, here's a little bit more. This is Imran Ansari, again, the attorney testifying for Jose Alba. My story is one that should not happen again. Crime does not discriminate on the basis of a political party. It needs to be addressed by law enforcement on the street and by prosecutors in the court. But it has to be aimed at the people committing crime, not an innocent man like me. And the next time an innocent man does nothing but protect their own life and self-defense from a violent attack, they should not be made the villain, but instead treated with care and compassion as the victim. And if there was not a public outcry about the case against Jose Alba, he'd still be there in Rikers. You know, but someone who clearly commits crimes... For some reason, Alvin Bragg's office seems to be soft on them. Let's reduce those felonies to misdemeanors, 52%. By the way, he has a 50% conviction rate off of those, too. Think about that. That is a really poor, poor track record for any major city in this country. And things are so bad. Councilman Bob Holden, he's a Democrat, by the way, New York City Councilman from Queens. This is what he had to say. He testified today. And he said that he is scared. This is him talking with Matt Gates. This is cut 19. Is fear a rising feature of life in New York or is fear a declining feature of life in New York? It, it is um, increasingly worrisome what we're going through in New York City. Fear is an everyday event in New York City. Taking the subway. My wife is Asian American. She will not get on the New York City subway. My daughter will not get on a New York City subway for fear because many Asian Americans have been attacked. But Mr. Pe- Kessler says there's just a lot of people here in Manhattan. You just have to take it. Right. You just have to understand that this is going to be a violent place. Which I found, I found that insulting. I think anybody who has been to New York finds that unbelievably insulting. And then here's a little bit more. This is Paul DiGiacomo. He is head of the Detectives Endowment Association. And listen to what he says. Clearly, on day one, 
uh, what Alvin Bragg did the minute he took office and the minute he said there are certain crimes I'm not going to prosecute, there are certain things I'm not going to go after, that he said immediately it sent a message that basically police in New York uh, would be in harm's way. Boy, is that a sad testament because guess what? If they don't feel like the bad guys are going to be arrested, then they feel emboldened. The bad guys feel emboldened and they feel they can take advantage of police. Take a listen. Here is Matt Gates talking to the head of the DEA. When the day one memo of Alvin Bragg changes the way resisting arrest is treated so people can resist arrest against law enforcement and not uh, actually face a consequence for that, what does that do to the enterprise of policing? Well, it makes the, uh, the officers and the detectives on the street, their job, that much harder. Uh, everything becomes confrontational or physical, and they put themselves, the police officers and detectives, are in harm's way. Yeah, it sure does. Because guess what? If there's certain things that say you can't go after somebody for, no wonder they're going to feel emboldened. My goodness. And what a sad testament. And all they could come back with was, it's politics. It's politics. That's why the Republicans are doing it. They're trying to shine a light on what really matters, as if talking about crime is politics. That, to me, is so downright distasteful. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony. Line 5. Tony, your thoughts about this? Hey, Rita. You know, tonight I really have a very psychological um, profile of what happens. I'm looking at it that way. And the biggest sort of psychological impairment I see is clearly in the Democratic people who are the congressmen who were at that hearing with Jim Jordan. Clearly, they were apathetic to the victim. They had no they had no. Um, hesitation to show it and to show their irritation with them. I watched that several times. And their allegiance to me, Rita, was clearly to the Democratic Party, to defending Alvin Bragg, and to letting us know, the new, the people at that hearing know, that this is the status quo now. And for you to come here and question us, we're not going to accept it. Very strong profiling. And it's it's really interesting to see how the world is going to see that. And and how do you think, how do you think, actually, let me ask you a question, Tony, um, based on what you're saying. Do you think that the hearing turned any minds or do you think that people are so dug in and the Democrats are so dug in, they see it a certain way and Republicans see it another way? Well, we don't really care how the Democrats see it, because my mind has to be free and clear to focus on Jim Jordan, to focus on Congressman McCarthy so we can move forward with with this clean agenda to clean up and build up our country. But my my concern is that for every one person who the light bulb goes on and sees that these Democrats don't really give a hoot about anybody who's a victim, because their agenda to me is to even out the playing field. I looked in Chicago today, and Mayor Luck, don't remember his name, after the riot. Yeah, Jordan, he, Jordan. He he said something that really showed a lot. Or of actually, Johnson, Johnson, Gerald Johnson. Forgive me, I wanted to make sure I said it right. Go ahead. So what he said was, he said, don't demonize these teenagers who tore up the place. Because in essence, he's saying that they are all victims of a horrible way of life. And... That's not their fault. 
And so we really need to sort of even the playing field in some way here by being sorry for them. And I'm telling you, it really made a light bulb go on to me, and I don't know how you feel about it, that being soft on crime is in some way showing the Democratic Party, profiling them as apathetic is one thing. But also, secondly, being soft on crime is showing we may be trying to even playing fields out, you know, if it's politically correct. And those were my two thoughts. Yeah, I I think that some of that is behind them. No doubt, Tony. Um, But obviously, uh, crime, if people are committing crimes, it shouldn't matter, uh, you know, some sort of grand scheme of wokeness. It should be the facts are the facts. If somebody commits a crime, no matter, uh, you know, what the uh, background of the individual is, they should have some sort of punishment. Uh, not only just obviously to protect society, but also for them to turn themselves around so they don't continue. Because I thought I, I, the analogy that Bill O'Reilly actually said is like, if you don't like tell, punish your kids and tell them right for wrong, they're going to burn the house down. And it's like, uh, if you don't tell them this is what you do and this is what you don't do, and if you do this, there will be repercussions. It's like you can't keep doing these shades of gray and continue and continue with individuals it doesn't help them, and it certainly doesn't help society. But um, you're right. I think there is some of that to it very, very much. And I think that that is the mindset that goes into a lot of individuals, and it is hurting society big time. Tony, thank you very much. Let's real quick go to Jacqueline. Jacqueline, your thoughts about this. Line one. Rita, um, this isn't the original reason for my call. I actually wanted to comment on uh, Chicago, and I hope you give me a moment to do that. Yeah, go ahead, please. But, but first... Um, since you're talking about Bragg and what's been going on, you pose the question, why is he doing what he's doing? Um, and I think, it, I think it's basically that Alvin is a racist. And one of your other callers, one of your regular callers, I'm not really sure who it was, if it was Larry or Joe, but they have been saying that for months now, that he's a racist. And I agree, he is a racist, because the people that are being let out of jail are not white people. Mr. Alba is not a white man, yet he was the victim of a violent crime that was committed by two non-white individuals, one of which, the girlfriend who attacked Mr. Alba, has yet to this day never been arrested. I wonder why. Could it be the color of her skin? And the same, this is tied into the, in, the issue with uh, Chicago, because again, I think that all has to do with race. I actually posed a question to one of your colleagues this morning uh, on his show that follows yours, and no matter how you explain it to him, he is relentless uh, talking about gun control, that gun control is necessary. Why do we never hear the liberals, the Democrats, the progressives talking about gun control day after day with all of these shootings and killings in all of these cities like New York and like Chicago and L.A. and all of these other Democrat-controlled cities. Why? Because they want to take the guns out of the hands of the law-abiding citizen, not the non-white criminal element that is not using a legal firearm to begin with. Well, and that's why gun control typically doesn't work, Jacqueline. You hit it on the head because Thank you. because it's it is the folks who are getting it illegally that continue to do it. Um, and the problem is there are a lot of weapons out there, and the bad guys are always going to get it. And you have to have, I contend, you know, we need to have softer, you know, uh, uh, 
we need to have, excuse me, harder uh, definite punishment. We need to have clearer lines. And we also need to say it doesn't matter, you know, what the color of your skin is or your background or any of this. If you commit a crime, here's the punishment. If you do it a second time, here's the more severe punishment. And if you have an illegal firearm, here's what you do. Not go after good gun owners who are responsible gun owners, just like you said. You're right. They don't ever bring it up. Where are these people like when we're seeing what's happening in Chicago? There really wasn't much said. And this new mayor uh, barely said a peep. And if anything, what he said basically condoned it almost. I mean, he said it's not constructive to demonize teens like they're just a bunch of teens fooling around and having a good old time. By the way, I mean, when I was a teenager, I wasn't going out and like burning cars down and businesses down. Sorry, that wasn't my idea of a good old time. You know, and you're right. I do think some of it is this philosophy. It's this wokeness. It's changing the agenda. And why are they not, like you said, going after when we're seeing skyrocketing crime in the, you know, in urban cities um, and in communities where they really would love help? You know, the sad thing is they're not helping the good people in those communities and they're not punishing the bad ones. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about soft on crime approaches on full display at the House Judiciary Committee today. What was your reaction by, I thought, some super compelling testimony by people like the mother, Madeline Brame, and others? And all the Democrats could basically say, well, do you feel you're being used for politics? She's like, "Uh, no, I'm here talking about my child and how justice was not served under this district attorney's office. Uh, Talk about a difficult hearing to watch. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Gloria, line seven. Gloria, your thoughts. Hi, dear. Um, Thank you so much for uh, taking my call. Today, I felt so bad for um, this this mother who lost um, her son, the veteran. I mean, for anybody to do anything to somebody who's sacrificed for this country and so bad for the the immigrant, the gentleman that was working at the uh, bodega. I remember that story. And um, the Long Island Jewish boy. And all I can say to you is an idea. Um, you know, my parents, I never met any of my relatives. The, my parents are very young, and they both have what I remember about my family is two parents that each of them had a number on their hand and uh, arm, and they're graduates of Auschwitz. Wow. And today, and today is Holocaust Day. Yes, it is. And by the way, it's the 80th, of course, anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. Um, Correct. Wow. Both my parents parents are Polish Jews, but I'd like to say something something else. I want to say thank you to America because it was the great city of Chicago that um, took them in and gave them such a full life, and they were able to progress. And both my brother and I, he's in the, um, we're both in the health services. He's an MD, and I'm in the psychological peace. And every day I thank America and it 
it's not only a place for Americans and New Yorkers. It's a place that everybody, the world revolves around uh, the beauty that goes on in America. I'm a very realistic person, but isn't it time now? I remember the what we did with civil rights and what we did with Soviet Jewry. And now I see the, the Israelis, whether you agree or disagree, you see the marches, the protests. When are we going to Washington 10, 20, 30 million at a time? We need to show not only America, the world, that these politicians and these elites should be embarrassed. I agree, by the way, Gloria. It is outrageous. People need to protest. Do it peacefully, but protest. And by the way, obviously, your parents were incredible heroes. Incredible heroes. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.